But we'd like to at least one more session talking about magnificent obsession. This is what it says here in Psalms 27, verse 4. And I'll read that. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, not two things, not five things, not ten things, but the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek, what's that word? Most. Most. Uh, above every other thing, there's one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord, uh, to live in his presence. And that's what many translations says there, to live in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. Ah, what percentage is all? 100%. 100%. Well, would you really want to live in the presence of Almighty God 100% of the time? Yes. All the days of your life? Once you get to know him, you surely would. Mm-hmm. Once you get to know him. Some people have the wrong idea about God. They think God's mad at them or upset with them. And that's just what the devil puts in our mind. But my Bible tells us that God, it's not that he loves us, but God is love. It's not that he can do that, he can love, but God is. That's where love originates at. But he says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house or in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Psalms 37, let me read that to you quickly. It says, verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. And then you will live safely in the land. Y'all want to live safely in the land? Yes. And prosper. That's a good idea. And then he says in verse 4, take delight in the Lord. He's our magnificent obsession. Take delight in the Lord. Do you delight in anything in your life? Mm-hmm. I mean, that means you just really enjoy it. You, you take pleasure in it. Oh, can, can anybody tell me what you delight in? Fishing. Fishing. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. That was the first thing last night, too. It's fishing season, dear. Let's go. <laughs> I, I delight in, in fishing and the outdoors and oh, everything is just fantastic. Keep turning my thing. I'm doing, doing it. That I know. Way. I'm using it as a footstool. I'll forgive you, dear. I'll get you. A what soon. else? Okay. What else do you delight in besides fishing? Grandkids. Grandkids. Yeah. Grandkids are awesome. Somebody else? They probably even trump fishing. What? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> That's okay. That's delight in coffee. Everybody's gonna get up and go get some coffee now. You know? That's awesome. That's wonderful. But you know what I'm talking about. You take pleasure in. And fishing and getting outdoors, you know, and your grandkids. There's just so much this weather. There's just so much to delight in. And it says here in verse 4, Psalms 37, 4 says, take delight. In the Lord. In the Lord. You, you ever delight in him? Mm-hmm. You, you think about that. Do you delight in him? It says, if you take pleasure, if you enjoy God, you know, if First thing, when you wake up in the morning, it's like, good morning, Papa God, you know? And, and you read his word, you might sing him a song, you might pray about things, you know, because you know he cares and all. 
But it says, if you take the light, take the light in the Lord, and he, the Lord, will give you your heart's desires. Everybody has a heart's desire, something. But it says, if you delight in him, he'll give you your heart's desires. That's a promise. And then he says in verse 5, commit. Everything you do, everything is talking about what percentage? 100%. 100%. Commit everything, 100% of what you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Trust him, you know, commit everything you do to him and trust him. And he says he will help you. And when you delight in him, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. Uh, let's go back over here to Psalms uh, 27, verse 5. We started with Psalms 24, uh, 27, verse 4 a while ago. And now, this is a powerful verse. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. And, and he says, he will conceal me there. And he's talking about what we were reading in Psalms 27, 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house or in the presence of the Lord. And it says, he will conceal me there in verse 5, which is talking about he will conceal me in his presence. Mm -hmm. He'll conceal me so I, I won't be seen. I'll be hidden. He will conceal me in his presence. When troubles come. When trouble. He's going to conceal me when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a rock. And, and I, I, I can just so visualize that. When trouble comes my way, God's going to place me out of reach of trouble up on a rock. So, so trouble can't reach me. That's what he's saying. That's this, an awesome promise. Isn't it? It's a fantastic yeah. promise. Fantastic. That he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a rock. You know, that's a fantastic scripture to pray for ourselves, for our children. You know, we have um, a son that's in the Marines and, a, and his wife is a police officer. And I often pray that prayer for them, that Lord calls them to be hidden when they need to be hidden from any kind of an enemy. You know, that you would conceal right. them when troubles come and that you would hide them and place them out. And of we reach. have several other family members who that are, are police policemen and Military, military. absolutely. Anyhow, it says here in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, he says, You must worship no other gods, but only the Lord. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. I don't know if you really understood that, but God is passionate about his relationship with you. He loves you. He loves to hang out with you. He loves it when you're delighting, you're taking joy in him. You're learning more about him in this book here. You're, you're learning it. You're studying it. <clears throat> you're acknowledging it when you pray and, and when you sing. But he says he is passionate. Don't worship no other gods, false gods, but only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. And he genuinely is. Now, we read this a while ago, but let's just read that one verse again. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Don't forget that. There are desires of your heart. 
He says, if you'll just take pleasure and take joy in your relationship with him, he'll give you your heart's desires. That's a promise. Nothing else promises you that. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Anything that you end up loving more than God. Be careful. There's a warning here. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And it becomes an idol. And wherever you invest your time, your energies, and your monies, that's got your, <clears throat> your undivided attention, be careful at those places. Keep away from those things where all your time and your energy and your money goes other than to God. When you love something, it becomes really an idol to you. Uh, I'll think about that. And uh, a man and his wife once dined with a very wealthy man from a blue blood Boston family. And they asked him, how in the world did you grow up in the midst of such wealth and not be consumed by materialism? His answer well, my parents taught us that everything in our home was either an idol or a tool. How do you view your possessions? Are they idols, something that you worship? Or are they a tool? You think about that. Listen to what it says here. Acts 17 verse 22 says... So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious. For as I was walking along, I saw your many altars. They had altars. Altar after altar after altar after altar to the fish god, to the frog god, I know not season, to the fire god, to the, the god of the sky, to the god of the ocean. They had so, and they didn't want to miss anybody to offend any, any of the gods. So they had all these altars to different gods, and they would try to give them equal time. That's what was going on. And one of them had this inscription on it, to an unknown god. You have been worshiping him without knowing who he is. And now I wish to tell you about him. And I can tell you who that was. His name is Jesus. And John 3.16 tells us about him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And these people here, they just didn't want to offend a God. They didn't understand God. They didn't understand his word at all. And they had all these things, all these altars to, you know, dedicate time and energy and monies to this God is not to offend them, you know. And uh, you know what? <clears throat> there are times when people, and we'll read about it in the Bible, but they would take a stone. And, and they would chisel it away or, or overlay it with silver or gold. And they would make an idol out of it. And it would become more beautiful than that. But they would worship a stone. And, and some people, and the Bible tells us, it's very clear about it. 
Some people would worship a chunk of wood, you know, a log. And people who could afford it would have it worked on by a craftsman and he would shape it into a, a uh, image of their God and they would overlay it with silver and gold if they could afford it and, and silver chains and all those things. <clears throat> and they would bow down and worship those things. That's, that's what the Bible says people would do because they didn't know the truth. But along with all these gods they had, he said, I'm here to tell you about this, this altar y'all have to an unknown God. You've been worshiping him without knowing who he is. And now I wish to tell you about him. And his name is Jesus. And there's a, another song. I'm just going to read you a couple of, of the words of it. <clears throat> and the song goes like this. You give life. <clears throat> How great are you, Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. And you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he, he, he made Adam, first off, out of, of the dust and, and made a, a clay and he shaped him. And then he breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living being. And that's been passed down from generation to generation. The breath that we have was God breathed. And that's why we're alive. <clears throat> and, and we surely should praise him, the true and the living God. It says here in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything. 100%. I don't know if you understood that, but God made everything. Jesus formed everything on this planet and in outer space and solar systems and stars and suns and moons and all. He created it all. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He doesn't live in a building. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you all go home at the end of the day, God don't hang around here by himself. He goes home with you. Did you know that? The, the Bible says you are the temple of God. You are. He chooses to live in you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Let's look at that. He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. God doesn't have a need. He himself gives life and breath to everything. Everything that's breathing, <clears throat> God gave it life. And he satisfies every need there is. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand which should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. His purpose in all of this was that the nations should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Hmm. <clears throat> have you ever <clears throat> felt your way to God? Have, have you ever felt the, the inward tug from the almighty God? You know, 
he says, and perhaps you feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. He, he's only a breath away. Do you ever, I mean genuinely, and if you don't, that's, that's an honest answer, but do you ever feel God tugging you close to him, near to him? Yes. I surely feel it quite often, you know. And I want to go the way he wants us to go. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, this is in the J.B. Phillips translation. So don't worry and don't keep saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? Do do you ever say that kind of stuff? Yep. It's 938. I ain't had nothing to eat all day. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You know, he says, don't worry and don't keep saying this. Don't keep saying this. That is what pagans are always looking for. Those who don't know God, they're always looking for those kinds of things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Set your heart on. And and set your heart on. uh, This is in Matthew 6.33. It's the same as seek ye first. Seek ye first or set your heart on. The kingdom. Talking about God's kingdom. And his goodness. And all these things will come to you as a matter of course. Wow. Set your heart. Seek first God and his kingdom. And all the things that you're going to drink, all the things you're going to eat, all the things you're going to wear, they're going to come looking for you. You don't have to become obsessed with meeting all your own needs in some way. If you want to be obsessed with something, the magnificent obsession is your relationship with God. And he said, if you'll seek him first, If you'll put him first, all the other things that you have need of will come looking for you. That's that's what he's talking about here. They'll be added to you. A.W. Tozer said, what I'm anxious to see in Christian believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see in them the joy of finding God. While at the same time, they're blessedly still pursuing him. Finding God and yet still pursuing him. I want to see in them the great joy of having God, yet always wanting more of God. And that is a thing that God delights in. He genuinely does. Acts 17, back there again in verse 28, it says, For in him we live and move and exist. In Christ. We live, we move, and we exist. It's just like a fish in water can live and move and exist. And like a bird in the air can live and move and exist. And like a rabbit in in the field, in the forest, he can live and move and he can exist. And he's saying that about us in Christ, in relationship with Christ, we can live and we can move and other translation says we can have our being we can exist as one of your own poets says we are his offspring we are god's offspring did you know you are created in the image of god you have any idea how many eyes god has two two because i have two he says in his word we were created in his image you know how many ears god has Two. You know how many noses he has? One. You know how many nostrils he has? Two. Two. 
we were created in the image of Almighty God. It says here, as one of your own poets <coughs> says, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Now, imagine this. How many of you have children? Now, does this stone look anything like your child? Nope. What about this stump here? Nope. What if we kind of shaped it up really nice and overlaid it with gold? Would that look a lot like your child? No. But people make things like that. They go to places now and order them online or buy them in places. They, they order statues and all, and then they bow down and they worship them. They actually do that. But it tells us we're God's offspring. God ain't a stump, you know. And we're not a stump. We're created in the image of God. You don't see what God looks like? We are made in his image. That's what the Bible says. And, and, and we breathe. And God breathes. And he sees and he talks. You know, these things that man can rip you off with. Well, hey, I'll make you a God that will protect you. I don't think so. I don't think so. Can you, can you push God around? No. Oh, oh no. <laughs> God is alive. We just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. And we've been created in his very image. And, and our children look a whole lot like we do. And we're God's children and we look a whole lot like he is. He says we shouldn't think of God as an idol. Not at all. Designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or, 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 or stone. See, worshiping an idol, or worshiping an idol, that's, that's false worship. That's, that's nothing like God. Nothing like God. It just tells me a person who would worship a statue of any kind does not know God. They may want to, but they don't know him because he is real. He is alive and, and he, you know, genuinely loves us and he appreciates us and wants a relationship with us. That's just the truth of it. First, verse 30. Verse 30 says, God overlooked people's former ignorance about these things. But now he now, commands everyone everywhere. This is talking about 100%. Now he commands everyone everywhere to turn away from idols and turn to him. Turn away from idols that they may have been worshiping and turn to him. Papa God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you that he went to the cross for me. Thank you that he, he paid for my sins and that he rose from the dead. Thank you that I can have a relationship with him now. And I can be forgiven of all my sins. And he wants us to turn from all those idols. And there's all kinds of idols that we can serve. You know, anything you invest your time, your energy, and your money in can become an idol. You know that. You, you, you can worship your car. You know, you, you, you can worship your home. You, you, you know, so there's metal there and rubber. You worship that or you can metal uh, worship the wood and the the bricks and all that's in your home, you can worship a relationship you have with someone. You, you can think that's the most important thing in my whole life and all. 
And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to worship him. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 18 says, To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated no. with silver chains? No, he cannot be compared to that. That's dead and it's lifeless. He's alive. And it's shaped by a human being. God created us in his very image. Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Hmm. And, and, and this isn't God's word. It tells us that's not the way God is. People try to make a God that they can control. Now you sit right here and stay there and you do what I tell you to do. Now I want you to bless me in this and this and this, but you behave yourself. That is no God. There's a living God and he knows you by name. The Bible says he knows how many hairs on your head. He knows how tall you are and he loves you and he cares about you. And as you learn how to pray, you learn how to communicate with him, he will answer your prayers. He genuinely will. He loves you. Romans 125 says, instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things God made. Trees. Statues, they, they, they worship stones and gold and, and silver and precious stones. People would worship those things because they could control those things and all. But that's not God. So they worship the things God made and not the creator himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. Psalm 100 verse 1 says, Shout with joy to the Lord. Shout Lord. with joy and in the King James, that's where it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In, in, in Psalms 100, verse 1, shout with joy to the Lord, O earth. And this is where the earth and all of us are, are exhorted to praise the Lord God Almighty. We are exhorted to praise him, the true and the living God. Not a piece of firewood and not a stone, even a very valuable Stone covered with, with, with gold and all, but we have been challenged to, to shout to the Lord. You know, exhorted to shout to him praise. Then he goes on in verse 2. Worship the Lord with sadness. Nah, <laughs> with gladness. Oh, is there a difference? There is. A huge difference. When you talk difference. about God and worshiping him, you get glad, not sad. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who, who think that God's mean... And he's up there in heaven with a big stick ready to pop you on the noggin. If you step out of line, you don't know God. You would never want to be around a God like that. But, but he is a living God who is love and he cares about us. And it says, worship the Lord. With gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Oh, singing with joy. And see, the, the question here isn't, do you have a voice? The question is, do you have a song? Do you have a song for the almighty God? You know, singing is, is not for singers. Singing is for believers. You know, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. 
Jesus, because he first loved me. And it says here in verse 3, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. It's very important that we acknowledge that he is God. And it tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In all your ways acknowledge God. You know, see, worship is acknowledging God's presence. When you worship him, you're acknowledging his presence. When you worship God, when we sang earlier, we were acknowledging God's presence. You're acknowledging that he is alive and he's real and he cares about you and that you love him and, and you praise him, acknowledge him. When you came into the building today, you probably acknowledged someone. You know, hey, it's good to see you, you know. And what he's telling us here, worship is acknowledging God's presence. A.W. Tozer said, at the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into a conscious awareness of his presence. Do, do we push into a conscious awareness of his presence? Do, do you make time to acknowledge God? Thank you for this awesome day you made for us. He tells us to pray about our daily bread. You ever really genuinely thank him for the food that he has provided and provided you the means to purchase or to grow or however you get it? Have you ever acknowledged, Lord, thank you for the food that you have provided and all the other things? Or do we think that we just were smart enough to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and get what we got? Or do we praise him? Psalm 100 verse 3 says, He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. To affectionately praise His name. That, that's to bless His name. To affectionately praise His name. That's what we're talking about. And where it says, you know, I'll enter His gates with thanksgiving. See, the gate is an outer court. And there's another opening that's referred to as the inner court. And then there's another opening referred to as the Holy of Holies. It's like a progression. The, it is. It, it, it is. That's the way you get to God. And uh, there's a old song that says, and it, it kind of illustrates that. It goes, take me past the outer court into the holy place. Past the brazen altar, Lord, I want to see your face. Take me by the crowds of people and the priests that sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and it's only found one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. He was talking about taking a red hot coal off the fire and cleansing our lips. It was talking about how we enter into the presence of God. You know, you know, we'll, we'll enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise and on into the holy of holies where we will worship him. Well, worship God in spirit and in truth, you know. Worship is like that 
unseen something. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago that urges, you know, the migration of millions and millions of birds and ducks and geese. That, that's, that's like worship. There's this inward something that urges us. There's an invisible call urging us upward and urging us Godward. There's something inside of us that's just urging us to, to worship him. You know, uh, to, to a, a intimate relationship, a personal relationship, a, a one-on-one relationship with God himself. There's something in us that tugs us in his direction, this inner stirring. It, it's, it's so real you can't ignore it. Can, can you ignore Getting something to drink when you're thirsty? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, how many days could you ignore it if you're really thirsty? Can you ignore getting something to eat when you're hungry? Mm-hmm. Nope. Not for long. It's 9.54. I haven't had a bite of anything to eat all day. It'll be a while. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Let's just say I waited for a couple of days. Mm. I can't keep ignoring that. And there's this urge to worship God. He, he urges us upward. And he urges us Godward. And that's where we're truly, truly satisfied. When Robert Kennedy visited the Amazon. Y'all familiar with Robert Kennedy, right? He conversed through a translator with a Brazilian Indian who had recently come to know Christ. What do you want most? What do you most like to do? Kennedy asked, and he expected an answer from this Indian, something like, well, hunting with my bow and arrow or canoeing. But the Indian answered. An Indian in the Amazon answered Robert Kennedy when he said, what do you like most like doing? The Indian said, being occupied with God. How did he figure that out? Missionaries had come and had led him to Christ. And all the things that he did, this was genuine, pure worship. He said, I love to be occupied with God, the true and the living God. Now, Kennedy said to the translator, ask him again. Something must have been lost in the translation. But the Brazilian Indian gave the same answer, being occupied with God. This was an excellent definition of true worship. Worship is the occupation of our soul, our heart with God himself. Worship is the occupation and the obsession of the heart with God himself. Worship is love, responding to love. God's loving us. He gave us a beautiful day to stay. Beautiful day yesterday. There's so much he's done for us and and we love him. He's given us such hope and it's our love responding to him. That's that's what worship is. And worship can be with love, words of love, and worship can be silence. And you just be raising your hands. But you're loving him. Now prayer is the occupation of the heart with his needs. That's what prayer is. My, my heart is occupied 
with its needs, and therefore I'm asking God to do this and do that. Praise is the occupation of the heart with its blessings. I'll praise you for this and praise you for that. And thank you for this and thank you for that. And, and that's, that's praise. But worship is the occupation of the heart with God himself. Worship is when you just, you think God. And you just worship him for who he is. One day the telephone rang in the pastor's office of the Washington church attended by the president. And this is many years ago. And an eager voice said, tell me, do you expect the president to be there on Sunday? That I cannot promise, the pastor said patiently. But we do expect God and we fancy it will be incentive enough for a reasonably large attendance. Now, are we more interested in who's going to be at a service or at some special place? If they're not there, we leave. But what if God shows up? Well, I don't really care so much about seeing if he's there or not, but I want to, I want to go because somebody else might be there. You know, There's always a danger of becoming more occupied with the visible than with the invisible. There's always a danger of becoming more occupied with the temporal than with the eternal. Uh, being more occupied with the outward than with the inward. Uh, with the formalities than the spiritual, than the ceremony, with the ceremony than the reality. Spiritual decay brings with it a religious formality of worship. Spiritual decay brings a religious formality of worship in which the ritual is so exalted that worship becomes an empty form. In Psalms 27, verse 4, and we've already read this, but I want us to hear it again. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord. In the presence of Almighty God. All the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Hmm. My magnificent obsession of being with him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, in the Amplified Classic, it says, For my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. To know him in reality is to know the power of the resurrection. Which it exerts over believers that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness. You know, God is better experienced <clears throat> than he is described. What you got there? 
It says it's an almond joy. It's my favorite candy bar. It's indescribably delicious. Thank you. Does they, did they still say that on commercials for Almond Joy? Or was that just back when we were kids? That they're indescribably delicious. I wanted a candy bar like this so bad during the pandemic that I went online and I'm like, there must be a cookie that you can make that's like an Almond Joy. And sure enough, there is. If you want the recipe, ask me and I'll give it to you. Four simple ingredients. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting sidetracked. I'm busy. Go ahead. <laughs> it takes <laughs> sweetened condensed milk, coconut, chocolate chips, and almonds. No flour, so it's gluten-free. They're awesome. <laughs> what? What? Incoming. Want to try one more time? <laughs> wow. Did y'all get one? Delicious. Did you get one? You didn't get one. Don't forget Anthony mm. here. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Everybody gets one when you leave. <clears throat> well, think about this. Eating them. <laughs> now, when you taste your almond joy, did you eat one? I did. I will, I'll have another one. Did? Can you describe it? Can? can and would you, after you eat your almond joy, I'm gonna give everybody one when you leave. I'm gonna put the bag over there. Come by and get one. Describe it. <clears throat> because the saying that we grew up with, this an almond joy was indescribable. Indescribably delicious. Wonderful. Fantastic. Indescribably delicious. And Jesus is indescribably magnificent. He genuinely is. He forgives our sins. He comforts us when we're down. He gives us hope when we've lost all hope. He answers our prayers. He gives us something to drink and to eat and something to wear. He cares about every detail of our life. He forgives our sins and he promises to take us to heaven. And those who've gone on before us trusting him, they are there awaiting us. And it's an awesome, fantastic, wonderful place that you can learn about. But he is indescribably magnificent. Jesus is. And, and he's better than I'm enjoying. You know? Yes, he is. I'm enjoying are pretty good. But they're not as good as a relationship with Jesus. There's a, a song. And let me just read you a couple of the words. <clears throat> this song is called Indescribable. I just got finished chewing this coconut. <laughs> it gets caught in your throat, huh? And teeth. No, that's all right. Thanks. 
It says, From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creation revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you call them by name. You are amazing God, all powerful, untamable, awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing God, who has told every lightning bolt where it should go, or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow. Who imagined the sun and gives source to its light, yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God, all-powerful, untamable, awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. There's more to that song about indescribable, but the word indescribable best really kind of defines Jesus. He is just awesome. You know what the Bible says? If, if everything that he did was recorded in books. And you know, Jesus never performed a miracle until he was 30 years old. Not one. And from the time he was 30 to 33 when he was crucified, we have three years documented all the miracles he did. And the scripture says, if everything that Jesus had done had been recorded, the world would not contain all the books of what he did. And the thing is, is he's been performing miracles every day since then. Absolutely, and he's still on the move in our lives. He's our magnificent obsession. Genuinely, there ain't nothing better than him. And it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thank God for his son, a gift too wonderful for words indescribable that's jesus he loves you and if you want a relationship with him you can have it it's not fictitious and it's not like worshiping a stump or a rock or something he's the real deal he created you he created mount everest he created the tree that was hewn down and made into a cross he created the iron that was in the the ground that they smelted and they made spikes out of. Jesus created it all and they didn't take him against his will. He came to this earth to pay for your sins and for my sins. To forgive us. And then he rose from the dead and he comes into our life if we welcome him and he'll lead us and guide us. And then one day when that day comes he'll take us into his kingdom. Well, the Bible says the streets are made out of pure gold and all. And I don't think I'm going to be so fascinated with street building material when I get to heaven. Mm -mm. I'm going to be fascinated with Jesus. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
and he's going to probably take me to his favorite fishing hole, I, <laughs> I, I believe. I suspect that he would. Don't you think he would? I think he I would. I think he would. I think he would. Because he loves us. Mm-hmm. He cares about us. He put the desires in our heart. I don't know if everyone in here, you have a close relationship with Jesus, but you can. And that's why I lead us into a prayer to reaffirm our faith every week. And for the benefit of those who are here who, who don't know, don't understand him, and we reaffirm our faith so they can declare their faith for the very first time. And those who are joining us online, it's the greatest decision I ever made in my life is when I welcome Jesus into my life. He changed me forever and ever and ever, and I will see him one day face to face. But I would like to pray with you right Wait, now. We got one more verse to read. We got one more verse. It's an awesome verse. It is. We can't leave it out. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says, I once thought all these things were so very important. All the things that you are involved with every day of your life and all the stuff that you got, how very important is all that stuff? <clears throat> I ahead. once thought all these things were so very important, but now. I consider them worthless. They're worthless. The things that we've worked all of our life to obtain, they're worthless. Because of what Christ has done. My magnificent obsession. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law. But I try, trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making this right with himself depends on faith. It depends on faith. You can't see him with your natural eye right now. Lots of things we don't see with our natural eye, but we believe. You don't see electricity, do you? You might see what electricity does. You know, but I want you all in. Now, y'all remember when we was talking about all in a month or so ago? Now, I gave you a bracelet. Did anybody's bracelet fade? Did your words fade away? Well, that means you didn't wear it. (laughs) Mine faded away within a week. So I ordered some better ones. And I'll have them next week. They're in my car right now, but I didn't get them out last night. And it's actually indented, and it has a very long-lasting paint on it. And I'm wearing two of them right now. I was thinking about putting them around my ankles, too. (laughs) Maybe earrings. Yeah. Because I tell God genuinely every day, I said, I'm all in. What you did for me, gave your life for me, and then you offer me resurrection power, I'm all in. I believe everything you say. Ain't nothing that I have, nothing I've ever accomplished that's of any value compared to you. I'm all in. That's what it says with my little braces here. All in. And I'll have these long-lasting ones in here next week if, if you want one. All in. I'm all in. I forgot. We hear an emergency vehicle off in the distance. 
we learn that we can pray and ask you for help and you help. Yes. And there's somebody in need. I don't know who it is, but it might be somebody we know. But even if it isn't, we ask that you bless them and protect them and help them and help those first responders to get there and bless them as they fulfill their job, almighty God. Yes. And draw them all closer to you, we ask. In the name of Jesus. And I would like to lead you in a prayer of <clears throat> re, you know, committing your life to Christ, you know, reaffirming your faith in him as others who would join us would pray and dedicate themselves completely and declare their faith in him together. So can we pray? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. And he gave his life on the cross. And he gave his life on the cross. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And to write my name in the book of life. And to write my name in the book of life. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I welcomed Jesus. And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.